Good morning. I was having a bit of trouble coming up with a good introduction for the service this morning. And so I was considering, you know, I can tell some stories that relate to Daniel. We're going to be talking about Daniel. But then I was like, none of my stories really relate to that. But I could tell you some of my personal childhood stories, you know. There's the time where I was playing in my backyard and I hear these bullets whizzing by my head and I look and there's my older brother sniping at me from 50 yards away. There's also the time one of my sisters stabbed him in the chest with a butter knife at the dinner table or there's the time where he threw a spear into my leg. (laughs) But then I decided, you know, that's kind of irrelevant and we probably shouldn't go into my family past because, you know, they might be embarrassed. And so forget about that. (laughs) So what we're going to do is go straight into Daniel like a spear. (laughs) But first we're going to open in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this beautiful snowy day. I know a lot of the people are not wanting the snow right now as it's spring weather, but I love it. And I pray that you would bless the reading of your word today, Lord, and that it would touch the hearts of those here. And just give me strength to preach your word true. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be turning to Daniel chapter 6. If you wouldn't mind turning with me in your Bibles. A brief history of Daniel at this point is Jerusalem throughout the Old Testament has their ups and downs with the Lord. You know, they're faithful, they're unfaithful. And at their unfaithful moments, the Lord sends in the third party to give them judgment. So in this case, a few years prior, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, goes into Jerusalem and captures it. They conquer Israel as a punishment of the Lord. And what happens is Nebuchadnezzar says to his officials, you know, I want you to go and take all their smartest, their brightest men from the nobility and the royalty, you know, because I want to train them. I want to educate them here. And so Daniel is one of these nobility that is captured. And what happens is Daniel is brought up, educated in Babylon. Uh, He has his three friends that are in the fiery furnace, if you know that story. But Daniel lives through Nebuchadnezzar's reign, and he becomes distinguished among Nebuchadnezzar's officials. What happens is Nebuchadnezzar dies, and then Belshazzar takes power. And Belshazzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar's son, is very short. What happens is he's having a party, he's at a feast, and all of a sudden this writing appears on the wall by a human hand writing it. It's kind of freaky. (laughs) Anyway, so he's trying to figure out what this writing says, and they end up calling Daniel. And he tells him that the Lord is very unhappy with you. It says, your reign is coming to an end. And that very night, I believe, Daniel, not Daniel, Belshazzar is killed by the Medes and the Persians, and Darius the Mede comes into power. So Daniel's already on his third ruler in captivity. Anyway, so we're going to read verses 1 to 5. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom." But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault, because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel, 
unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So I don't know if you caught that last verse there, verse 5, but it speaks measures for Daniel's faith and his integrity. It says, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Daniel was so trusting in God that his life showed it. The officials couldn't find anything against him. No error or fault in the way he governed, in the way he did his work. And by trusting in God, Daniel was, had an excellent spirit within him. He was faithful. And what happens is, as Daniel continues to work diligently with integrity, no fault, Darius the Mede notices, the king notices. He sees that Daniel is a man of integrity and faithfulness. I mean... How many of us live like this? Are you living to God's Word? Are you trusting in God at work, at home, in school? Do people notice and say, you know, so-and-so is a really stand-up guy or girl, you know? He's, he's really integrity. Man of integrity. Are you leading a life of integrity? Daniel was. And he was trusting in God, and it was obvious to those around him, in his work, at home, with his friends, that he was trusting in God. And our first point is, our trust in God is revealed through our integrity. Our trust in God is revealed through our integrity. Integrity is being honest, undivided, upright. So when you're at work, hanging out with friends, are you living in a way that shows you're trusting God? Do people see that? Are you being honest with people? Are you doing things to the best of your ability, giving it your all? Do you wear the same face at work with friends and at school that you do on Sundays? Are you the same person? Are you the same person outside of church as you are inside? It is our trust in God that leads to integrity, not the other way around. Integrity does not lead to trust in God, but it's our trust in God that makes you a good person. And we're starting to see this more and more as we read Daniel. So we're going to continue on, verse 6 to 11 now. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document, so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. So as we just read, these officials aren't just going to sit around and let the king make Daniel the head of the kingdom, you know? They're jealous. They don't want this to happen. Like, why should he be made ruler over all of us? 
And instead, they come up with a plan to stop this from happening because they know Daniel is a man of integrity and they're not going to find anything wrong with the work he has done. However, if they can use his God against him, then they might be able to trap him, you know? And they come before the king and the Darius, you know? And maybe he's sitting on his throne watching as they shuffle in before him, all these officials. There's a lot of them. And then they speak, and the first thing out of their mouths is flattery. Oh, king, live forever. Like, I don't know about you, but if somebody came up to me and said, Oh, Ben, live forever, I'd be like, what, what do you want? Like, it's just weird, creepy, you know? I'd be a bit suspicious. But Darius, he is king, so to hear his subjects, his officials, praise him like this would probably go straight to his ego. He's feeling pretty good about himself, you know? Oh, you think I'm good, eh? Live forever. And they praise him a lot. They are buttering him up, and it works. And they knew it would. It was just the icing on the cake, though, as we see in verse 7 when they carry on. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Basically, what they're saying is, you know what? We want you to order everyone to worship you for 30 days because you're just this awesome. You know, we think you're a great king and we think you deserve it. You know, they're, they're playing off his ego. And the punishment should be, I don't know, the, the lion's den. That's a good one. So, they you know, punishment should be the lion's den. Let's throw them to the lions if they don't worship you, king. So not only have they buttered him up by saying live forever, but they do that, you know, like... We think you should be worshipped. So then this is where it gets interesting in verse 10 as we read. And it's very strange. When Daniel knew, so he knew that the document had been signed, he knew what this meant, that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. He just carried right on. Daniel knew full well what the consequences of this would be if he disobeyed. You know, he'd be sent to the lion's den. But he went up to his room and prayed three times a day anyways. I mean, this guy's got to be crazy. You just hear that if you do this, you pray to your God for 30 days and not to the king, you're going to be fed to the lions, your lion chow. And all he had to do was, you know, say to God, you know, well, I don't want to be fed to the lions. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that pleasant. You know, it might hurt a bit. Uh, I'm just going to take a break from praying to you for 30 days, you know, one month. I've been praying to you all this time, so I'm sure you won't mind if I take, you know, a leave of absence from this, you know. But Daniel doesn't do that. He is a man of integrity who trusts in God. So he continues to pray and give thanks to God as he had done previously. Like, wow, it's amazing. Do you take your faith this seriously? When you eat in public or with friends... Do you pray before your meals? Do you take the time to thank God for what He has provided for you? Or do you just stop thanking Him and not pray at the time out of embarrassment or shyness or you don't want to offend somebody or you think it would just be weird? The point two today... Sorry. Then we see the officials come and they catch Him red-handed. So at the end of this verse that we read, they catch Him in praying. And they knew they would. But He knew the punishment was the lion's den and He continued praying. And that brings us to our second point, which is, by trusting in God, 
we are able to stand firm and face whatever comes. By trusting in God, we are able to stand firm and face whatever comes. And we see this in Daniel as he continues to pray. So now we're going to continue on, verses 12 to 18. Then they came near and said before the king, concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked, then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles of Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed, and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And as he labored till the sun went down to rescue him, then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, who you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. So we see once again that they've caught Daniel in the act. But the first thing they do is they go to the king. And notice that they don't just rat him out on the spot. You know, they don't go, Oh, oh, King Darius, Daniel, Daniel, he's praying. No, they set up the king first. And what they do is they ask him first. They remind him of what he's done. They say, Have you signed the injunction? And is the punishment of this injunction, you know, to be thrown into the den of lions? And to which he replies, Well, yeah, I remember doing that. I did. And then you can just imagine the creepy faces breaking out on these guys, like the grins that they will have now that the king has confirmed what he said. I mean, after reminding him that he has ordered the end the punishment, they can throw Daniel under a bus with no brakes. These guys must be patting themselves on the back right now because they have just like successfully and very cleverly set up Daniel for like death. Like to get him out of the picture, he's not going to be the ruler of the kingdom. Then the king realizes what has happened later on in the verses. He has been tricked and manipulated into condemning the one trusted official he had. Like Daniel was his favorite. But he ignores the officials for now. He sets them on the back burner. It says he set his mind to deliver Daniel. So it's kind of, I'm going to deal with you guys later. You know, let's concentrate on Daniel. So he tries all day to find some legal way, any way to save Daniel, but he fails. He can't find a way. And what happens is the sun sets, and those vipers, the officials, they come, and they remind him yet again, he has to punish Daniel. And so they bring Daniel and toss him into the lion's den. And Darius, in his failure, says to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. The king's saying, I couldn't save you. But maybe your God can, who you trust in always. And then they roll a big stone over the mouth of the lion's den, and the king and his officials, they seal it with their signet rings, which is just the royal seal. It means it cannot be undone. And it says that with worry, 
you know, Darius goes back to his chambers. He refuses any kind of entertainment. He doesn't eat. He's so upset and worried for Daniel that sleep fled from him. He couldn't sleep all night. So things are looking pretty bad for Daniel at this point. He trusted in God, and yet he is thrown in with the lions. He is trapped by the scheming officials and is now in a den of helplessness, hopelessness, where no one has ever returned from. He's in the lion's den. And maybe you're in the lion's den in your life right now. Alone in the dark, with nothing but predators circling as you wait in fear of them to pounce. Maybe you're suffering from illness or depression. Maybe it's a sin that you've been struggling with for some time, and it's been weighing you down, just pulling you deeper and deeper into the pit. But it's not as hopeless as you might think. We're going to read verses 19 to 20. Then at break of day, the king rose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? So what happens here is morning has come. The sun is just starting to peak over the horizon and Darius is up. He's probably just had one of the worst nights in his life, fretting and sweats, worrying over Daniel, wondering if he's alive or not. And he comes running to the den. It says he ran in haste. He went in haste. Now, I don't know about you guys, but the image I get in my head when I think of the king running at this point is him in his royal pajamas, hiked up, just running booking it to the lion's den through the hallways of the palace, you know. And then he gets there, and he just drops to his knees, and he cries out in anguish, Oh, Daniel, Daniel. And he calls out, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Are you alive? So how can Daniel, you know, you guys may be wondering, how could God, our God, Daniel's God, let this happen? I mean, how could he let him be thrown into lion's den? Surely our God, the I am of the scriptures, would never stand for this. Daniel has been nothing but faithful the whole time. He's had his trust in God the whole time. And yet he is still thrown to the lions. It looks hopeless. However, even through this seeming rejection, Daniel remains faithful continuing to trust in God. Now we'll see what God has been planning as Daniel responds. Verses 21 to 22. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Notice Daniel says, O king, live forever. This time it's sincere, as opposed to the flattery used to trap him by the schemers, you know, the officials. So he is saved by God, even though it looked like he wasn't going to be. You know, he thought he'd be going to be a goner. And you didn't think he would get out of this situation, you know. Once he'd been thrown into the lion's den... The schemers, the officials, they thought for sure they had won. This was a victory. Daniel has been thrown to the lions. There's no more Daniel. But then we see God has other plans. Finding Daniel blameless before himself, 
He sent the angel to shut the mouth of the lions. Like, woof. God sent an angel, and he didn't kill the lions. He didn't just make them disappear. What he did was he tamed the lions. He shut their mouths. And so you have Daniel in the pit with the lions in harmony, just getting along with each other. And that brings us to our third point. God saves us despite the schemes of evil. No matter what they've been scheming for you, it may look like all hope is gone, but God saves us despite the schemes of evil. Things may be looking bad in your life. It may seem like there's no way out of a situation that you're in, that it's hopeless. Maybe you've just lost your job. You can't pay your bills. Or you've been hurt by someone that was close to you. Someone you thought was your friend. Just remember that as long as you are trusting in God, He will save you. No matter how dark things get, put your faith in God. He may do it in a way you weren't expecting or think possible, but He is there, listening, and He will come to your rescue. The king tried so hard to save Daniel, but he couldn't. He was just a man, destined to fail. But God doesn't fail. He never has. Daniel had his trust in God. He trusted in Him. God saw his faithful servant, Daniel, was in trouble, and he did something about it. Verse 23. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So that Daniel taken up out of the den and no so Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he trusted in his God. Now the king here is exceedingly glad. Like he's giddy with excitement. Daniel is alive, his favorite, and not only that, he is untouched. Like he doesn't even have a scratch on him. So he's because he trusted in God. He was delivered not only from death, but from harm itself. Now that Daniel is out of the den, the king now focuses on the official. He takes them off the back burner. You see, he's, Daniel's alive and well. Now he can focus on what these guys did. And uh, he had set aside thoughts of them, but now he's going to concentrate on them. He hadn't forgot their malicious schemes. It says in verse 24, And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of the lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all the bones in pieces. All their bones. Now, something you have to understand about this verse is it seems very dark. It's, what I have to clarify is it's not an act of God. This is Darius the Mede, the conqueror delivering the punishment he thought was fit according to the Persian laws. The hero isn't Darius. God is the hero throughout the whole Bible. He's not sanctioning this violence. It's some uncircumcised pagan king, Darius, who executes all these officials and their families. It's not God. But then we see Darius do something completely like contrast. It's so strange. He writes a decree praising God. So if we read verse 25 to 28. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples and nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. 
He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lion's den. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. He admits that God is a living God, that his kingdom endures forever. What King Darius says here is that God's kingdom will never be destroyed, and that he is a God of miracles who delivers and rescues. Darius has just witnessed this with Daniel, and he would never have been able to believe this if somebody had said this without him witnessing it himself. And he continues to praise God and you know, says that his kingdom must tremble and fear Daniel's God who brings you know, who brings this mighty saving. And that brings us to the final point that the king states in verse 27 when he says, He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Point number four. By saving us, God demonstrates his awesome power. By saving us, God demonstrates his awesome power. And then we read that one more time, verse 25 to 28. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And then Daniel lives happily ever after. It's essentially what that is. However, this doesn't mean that you or I will live happily ever after in this life. But what it does mean is that as long as you've trusted in God with your life and He saved you, you will live eternally happy in His kingdom. So not done just yet. So we've seen Daniel, a trusting servant of God, be persecuted and condemned. We've seen the stone rolled over what was to be his tomb. And then we see it rolled away and him emerging unharmed, saved by God. Sound familiar? Jesus, who was without sin the most righteous and faithful man to walk this earth, was wrongly accused, condemned, and crucified for our sins. He faced not the death of lions, but the excruciating pain and punishment, the wrath of God for our sins. In contrast to Daniel, Jesus actually died on the cross and was buried in a tomb with a stone rolled over it. And as the enemies of Daniel, God's servant, died after having every bone in their body broken, before they even hit the the floor of the den, the lions had broken all their bones, Jesus died for his enemies without breaking a single bone in his body. The victory of death seemed final, but then three days later, Jesus rose again from the dead. He had conquered death, paid the ultimate price for our sins, And Daniel is one of the many foreshadowings in the Old Testament of the coming of the Messiah, the second Adam, Jesus. He died for our sins so that we can enter the kingdom of God through him. Daniel in the lion's den was never about Daniel, you see. 
It's about God and how to stand firm and trust in Him no matter what is thrown at you. And in closing, though it's mainly about God, it's also about you and about me. What will your response to God be? Will you run into Jesus' arms for salvation? Through our salvation, Jesus reveals his power. Without Jesus, we are hopeless and broken. But then he comes bringing hope and healing. He is the healer. Will we trust him, accepting that he is our Savior, deserving of all our praise and more for all that he has done for us? He bore the cross. He paid the price. And he offers you life. Amen. We're going to pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word today. We thank you for your wondrous mercy. And I pray that it has touched the hearts of those here, Lord. That you would be working in them. And that you would just guide them, Lord, and comfort them. I pray that everyone would stay steadfast, Lord, trusting in you, that you are our deliverer. All we have to do is trust in you, God, and we will be saved. Thank you for your wondrous blessings. Amen.